Good morning, church. This is a this is a beautiful place. Why do I always forget how beautiful Haynes Creek is? All that God has given us. I have one idea this morning that I'm going to convey, and my my idea is that God is good, and I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes telling you just how good God is convincing you that God is even better than you think He is, convincing you that sin, in its essence, is a rejection of just how good God is, that Satan's primary aim is to blind you to just how good God is, and that the gospel is a recovery and a reminder and a revelation of just how good God is. Every time I have a bad day, I'm tempted to think that God is a little less good that day than He was the day before. Every time I face adversity or trial, I have a temptation to believe that God just stopped being good that day. And uh, every time I don't get something I want, I'm tempted to think that God isn't being good to me. And every time I think that, I'm being tempted with the same lie that Adam was tempted with. God doesn't care about you. You can't trust God. God's not worthy of following He doesn't want what's best for you. And I'm still trying to battle that lie that my ancient ancestor was. And sometimes I believe the lie. And sometimes I believe this, that the better I feel means the better God is to me. And sometimes I think this, if I don't feel good, God isn't good to me. That's a lie too. That's a completely me-centered way of walking with Jesus. But what I don't understand sometimes is starting with this. God is upholding the universe by the word of His power right now, whether you think He is or not. Sometimes when I'm getting ready for bed and the kids have been complaining all day, and I can't take it anymore, I'll just list everything I did for them that day. I fed you. I gave you... Uh, That new Netflix movie that is just weirding me out, but you like it? I let you watch that movie. I took you to the park today. I wiped your butt today. I list at the end of the day, it's it's fleshly and it's sinful, but I I do it because I can't take it anymore. And I tell them just how good I was to them. And God does the exact same thing to us, except He doesn't yell it in our ears before bedtime. He just gives it to us in a book. And in His Word, He tells us just how good He is and all the good things He does. Here's one. He feeds the smallest of animals. Luke chapter 12, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither soak nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet, God feeds them. God feeds you. Acts chapter 14, verse 17. And yet, He did not leave Himself without witness. For He did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. God looks out for every creature that's alive. Psalm chapter 145, verse 9. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. And the psalmist shouts in chapter 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. God is good. We know that, but we, we don't live our lives every day knowing that, do we? God desires to show us His glory. And here's a concept to think about. This side of hell, there is no way to experience God's glory unless we know how good God is. 
People who do not know the saving grace of Jesus Christ have no idea how good God is. And that's, that, should, that should make us weep. It should make us tell them about Jesus. People who have not cried out to God to save them, people who have not been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, people who have not been brought into the family of God, they have no idea just how loving God is. And that's a tragedy. And for those of us who have called on the name of the Lord, we face a daily temptation to live our day every day with giving no thought to the grace of God or just how good God is. So in order for us to meditate on the goodness of God, I want us to turn, if we can, if you have a Bible, James chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You know what? And if you got it, stand up. Actually, you know what? Everybody stand up. We're going to keep doing what we do because we're Baptists and we do things whether we like them or not. We're weird Baptists, I think. And James writes, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of His own will He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Let's pray. Father, this morning, show us, reveal to us Your goodness. Give us a fresh, new reminder of your gracious, sovereign will to bless us with your goodness. And Father, give us an excitement knowing that we have the opportunity and in Christ, we have the guarantee of being with you in heaven forever, experiencing the full glory of the triune God, exploring, or sorry, discovering, exploring, delving, and abiding in your goodness forever. Father, show us just how good you are this morning. And all these things we ask in your son's name, amen. So James gets done talking about temptation and about how desire gives birth to sin and how sin gives birth to death. And then he says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Right after warning us about temptation, James says, Don't be deceived. you know what that means? That means that every time you give in to temptation, you were deceived. More specifically, you were deceived into thinking that something was good for you that wasn't good for you. Here's another way of putting it. You were tempted into thinking that what God had for you wasn't good for you. Lust isn't good for you. Gluttony isn't good for you. Impatience isn't good for you. Racism isn't good for you. Anger isn't good for you. Infidelity isn't good for you. Choosing to live without the wisdom of God and abiding in His Word, it ain't good for you. Sin entered the world when two people became convinced by a snake that following God's commands wasn't good for them. And today we suffer from the exact same genetic disease. Why do we let our children, why don't we let our children make grown up decisions? Why don't we do that? Because they don't know what's good for them, do they? 
And I can't, I shudder to think what my twins are going to look like when they're 18. And I'm still trying to convince them that daddy knows what's best. But the point is to raise our children and disciple our children to know what's good for them. But right now, little kids, they have no idea what is good and what is bad. Bob was sitting there pouring poison on a weed the other day and my daughter wanted to lick it. I have to tell her, "Eh, honey, we don't drink poison. God is doing the exact same to me with his word. Abby, I know you think more Netflix tonight is good. It's not. Abby, I know you correcting your wife like that. You think it's good now. It's not good. You're going to find that out soon. Why do we need the Bible? Because we're like kids. We need to know what's good for us and what's bad for us. Today, we make so much of the media deceiving us, and that's true. But what if we were also deceived into thinking that more news equals more godliness? What if we were deceived into thinking that our godliness came from the news and not God's Word? There are a lot of people that watch the news all day and they still don't know what's good for them. God says, abide in my word and you will know what is good, whether you are informed of current issues or not. And according to James, when we're deceived, we're deceived primarily into thinking that God is not good. In fact, I would go so far as to say that Satan's primary deception is to blind us to God's goodness. Verses 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That means we're often deceived into believing one of two things. Either we're deceived into thinking that God gives bad gifts, or we're deceived into thinking that we can get good gifts that don't come from God. And neither one of them are true. Number one, we're deceived into thinking that God gives bad gifts, but God has never given a bad gift. He's never once given a single bad gift. Now, the gift He gives you may hurt sometimes, or the gift He gives you, you may not see that it's good in the moment. The gift that He gives you that's so good, your sin might blind you to how good it is, but God has never ceased being good, and He only gives good gifts. Charles Spurgeon said this, God is too good to be unkind and he is too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. In other words, when we're tempted, if we're ever deceived into thinking that God is less than good, we must remember how sinful our hearts are and just how good God is. We can't walk by sight on this, on this earth. We can't. I'm tempted to think right now because it's 84 degrees that God isn't good. I am. I'll complain, and I'm telling you that now because when I go home, I'm going to complain just how hot it is. And then God's going, wait till November. (laughs) And we learned last week that God tempts no one. And the temptation He brings upon His children, the temptation, God does not lead any, God does not tempt anyone, but He can bring temptation upon you for your good as we see He did with Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 4, God has brought cancer on the Todd family, and in the moment, we didn't think it was really good. 
But in Christ, it was a good gift because we grew in what? We grew in faith. We grew in trusting God. We grew in loving one another. I grew as an empathetic husband. I grew as a caring husband. And we grew in faith. God brought infertility upon our family. And I'll tell you, that wasn't a really good gift in, in Abby's eyes. But now we have two good gifts. After walking with Jesus, I have learned not always to trust my fleshly instincts. And I have learned that in the moment, sometimes I don't have what it takes to judge fully whether what I am receiving is good or not. But God's word tells me that God is good and that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Because God knows what is good for me better than Abi knows what is good for me. This week, our world is going crazy, and I had, the, I had a temptation to pick a passage on race. I had the temptation, I don't think it was a sinful temptation, but I really wanted to pick a passage about craziness and about trust and about faith. And I said, well, what's, you know, what's our passage this week? Trial and temptation. God knows what we need. That's why we, are, that's why we believe in expository preaching at this church. We're just keep going through James, and wouldn't you know it, our passage is just about what we are experiencing this week. It is just what you need because God wrote a book and He made you, therefore God knows what is best for you. And God knows what you need better than you know what you need. Every good and perfect gift is from God and from God alone. That means everything you have in your life that brings you joy, everything that you've ever been given that you're thankful for, everything that you have that has brought you closer to the Lord and conforming yourself to the image of Jesus, everything that's ever increased in faith and love, it came from God. It didn't come ultimately from you. And in the end of verse 17, it says this, "...coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change." So God doesn't stop being good because God doesn't change. God is immutable. There are days when I'm nicer to my wife than the other day. Sometimes I wake up and I'm just not nice. Sometimes she wakes up and she's not nice. Like the other day. And some days... I'm more nice to her and I'm romantic. I'm more romantic to her. And that's because I'm not consistent, she'll then look over me and be like, what do you need? <laughs> Sometimes I wake up in a bad mood and I'm just not nice to her. God is not some impetuous, fleshly God who decides to change his mind one day and go, I'm not down with the gospel now. When we put our faith in Jesus, we can take it to the bank and we believe not only that God saves sinners, not only that He sent His only Son to atone for our sins and to pay our debt, not only that He raised His Son by the Spirit on the third day, not only that we place our faith in Him and we get adopted in the family of God, but we can also take it to the bank and believe with all of our hearts that the God whom we are following is absolutely and immutably and immeasurably good. Tell me your soul doesn't need that right now. Because mine does. I feel like at the end of the day, God just goes, Abby, you're walking well, but you forgot how good I was. The people in hell right now whose souls are in infinite agony forever, they were blinded to the glory of God. 
to think that they didn't put their faith and their trust in a good God is something that's very tragic and should compel us to go and tell lost people just how good God is. God didn't change His mind and decide to send Jesus either. It's not as if God is more good in the New Testament than in the Old. I run into that sometimes. People think that God was angry in the Old and now, hey, Jesus is here. He got happy again. No. God sent Jesus as a part of His good plan that He had predestined before the foundation of the world. And we can take it to the bank what? That means God has always been good. God was always good and heaven is an exploration of His goodness. He's infinitely good. His goodness cannot be fathomed. There are things that my wife does. I'm sorry, I'm taking a lot of illustrations from my wife. I've been spending more time with my wife. There are things that my wife does after eight years that I'm just now figuring out. Women are like that. They're like onions. There are things I can figure out. You know, I just now am figuring out that my wife holds her tongue when I say stupid things. She won't continue an argument sometimes, not for my sake. Sorry, not for her sake, but for my sake. Because she wants to withhold me from saying more stupid things. There are some times that my wife will adopt things that I like, not because she really likes them, but because she wants to enjoy them with me. And after eight years of marriage, I'm still discovering how good my wife is to me. And think about this. If I'm doing that after eight years with a sinner, imagine what's left to discover from the God who spoke the world into existence. There's no shadow of turning. There's no variation. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. We say it all the time. We ought to live it every day. But the point is not only that those who cast their souls on Jesus know His goodness. It's that God, as we said the other day, God desires to give us all things in Christ. And we should know that there is no way to ever plumb the depths of God's goodness. There's no way to ever experience God's goodness in the way that He desires us to unless we come to Jesus. From the perspective of eternity, God isn't simply good because He gave you a good job and a family. From the perspective of eternity, God isn't just good because He gave you a car. God isn't just good because He allowed you to go to work today or tomorrow. God is good because He saved you from hell. God is good because He decided to take your punishment in Christ and have Jesus, His only Son, absorb the wrath of the Father on your behalf. He's, 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 he's good because God redeemed you from trillions of years of agonizing, torturous flame. God is good because not only did He save you from hell, He adopted you into His family. He's not only good because of that, He decided to give you all things in Christ. That's how good God is. Not just because He gave you a car and a house. My children have no idea how good Kelly and I are to them. They don't. They're three. Almost four. And here, let me say this. My children have no idea how good we're going to be to them. Just like we have no idea how good the immutable God is to us in Christ. 
verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Ultimately, it wasn't of our will to be saved. It was of his own will. God is so good that he didn't wait for you to come to him. He didn't wait for you to get your act together. God is so good. He didn't wait for dead people to come and raise themselves. He said, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to enact spiritual CPR and raise you from the dead. I'm going to love you even though you don't love me. God is so good. He doesn't even need you to be good. But how does he do it? By his own will. Well, how does he do that? By the word. God doesn't need me to be good for Him to be good to me. So all those crazy people you see on TV, all the bickering, all the racism, all the looting, all the rioting, all the everything, God can be good to them too. Because if He was willing to save a wretch like me and you, then he can certainly be good to other people who have no business being good to. That's called grace. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, not me. So this morning, I wanted to encourage us, just like Franklin said, that the church should stand apart in holiness and in goodness. The church should stand apart in love. Why are we standing apart? When the world looks at us, why are you all so different? Because we have seen and tasted something that we want you to see and taste too. His goodness. We cannot see the glory of God's gifts unless we see the goodness of Jesus Christ who is the most good and perfect gift. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you have decided to give us all things in Jesus. You have called us out of darkness. You have chosen us. You have brought us out of the dead and resurrected us in Jesus. Father, Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And Father, we are following after him by that very same spirit. You have breathed life into us. And while we are indwelled by the spirit of God to do mighty things in the name of Jesus. And Father, it begins with beholding and experiencing just how good you are. And we can never see that in a fuller, more present way than by beholding the crucified Christ. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being you. And all these things we ask in your son's name. Amen.